Welcome to the United States and off to school. This episode continues background that is foundational to the podcast and stories up to going off to school. The episode is primarily based on a journal that mom kept and stories that were shared throughout the years. I'm testing an episode photo. The photo is my kindergarten school picture and one of my favorites. It was always displayed in my office. The last 10 years, it's been stored in my safe because it has faded considerably due to light. I think I need glass like they use for the Mona Lisa. To transition from episode two, this is the continuation of my background because it's vitally important to share who Bill and Barb Terwilliger were. William Richard Terwilliger and Barbara Ann Holton grew up in Ellenville, New York. Ellenville is a beautiful, quaint village in the foothills of the Catskill Mountains. The village is just under 100 miles north of New York City. Growing up and visiting our grandparents, I remember there was just one flashing caution light at the corner of Main Street, which is Route 209, and Center Street. Today, it's a full stoplight. I also remember entering the village coming up the hill on Route 209. The gas station, I think it was a mobile station, on the left was owned by Uncle Marvin. Sadly, that station is now closed. Ellenville is a predominantly Jewish community. While both the Terwilliger and Holton families were Christian, through our visits, we were positively exposed to a religion different than our own. Bill Terwilliger was one of two sons of Benjamin and Grace Terwilliger. We called them Grandma and Grandpa. Grandpa was a banker who rose to the presidency of the bank from a humble background. Grandma was a kindergarten teacher, and because Ellenville is a relatively small village, everyone knew her because they were in her class in their early years. Barbara Holton was the eldest child of Eugene, known as Jean, and Beatrice, known as B. Holton. We called these grandparents Grammy and Poppy. Poppy's mom, Elnor Craw, was living during our entire childhood, and we called her Mima. She passed in 1990 at 101 years of age. Poppy's military service in the Marine Corps shaped much of who he was. He was a tradesman with ex expertise across a wide spectrum of skills in building and industrial occupations. Grammy worked as a secretary for a big financial firm in New York City, and when living in Ellenville, she worked at local retail establishments. Her vision failed markedly over time. By the time I was a teenager, we learned from her experience of her diminished sight and how her disability was overcome through her resilience. I have fond memories of both visits to and from my grandparents that will be included in episodes going forward. Knowing that some children don't grow up with experiences from grandparents, these certainly are treasured times. My parents certainly had their values ingrained from their parents, especially the values of hard work, integrity, and compassion, as did we as their grandchildren. I remember being scolded by both Grandma and Grammy, as well as learning from each of my grandparents through stories of their life experiences. 
The Terwilliger background is Dutch. In fact, Grandpa traced the family back to two brothers who came to the United States in 1663. He had a particular interest because Everett Terwilliger's house was sold to Josiah Hasbrook in 1805, and Grandpa's heritage traces back to both families, as his full name was Benjamin Hasbrook Terwilliger. On the Holton side, Grammy. Whose maiden name is Farrell, was known for her pride in her Irish heritage. St. Patrick's Day was well celebrated, and my memories are vivid. Like Grammy, Mom had red hair and certainly had strong Farrell family physical traits. I don't recall the story of how Bill and Barb met. They courted for a fairly short time before getting married on November twenty seventh, nineteen fifty four. Mom was 19 and Dad was 22. Dad was a high school music teacher with a particular passion for brass instruments and the organ. Mom was a telephone operator before becoming a stay-at-home mom as the family grew rather quickly, and her selfless commitment to her children was both who she was and how she viewed her role as wife and mother. So, Mom and Dad grew up in a small. Tight-knit village with solid family values. At the same time, they also had little personal experience with medium and large city life. Certainly, that's not a negative. It's a comment about the lens through which they raised their children and lived their lives. I think one of the most valued perspectives of growing up and living in a small town was trust in those around you. Remember from the last episode that Mom read an article in Reader's Digest about Harry Holt's quest to bring children from Korea to the United States. Their own quest came to fruition in 1958, and I arrived pretty ill due to the lack of proper nutrition. The first time that Grandma saw me, she said that I looked like a poor picked bird, weighing at seven and a half pounds at two and a half months of age. My life took a turn to better health as I was 20 pounds by the end of the year, and pictures of me show a very healthy, chubby little boy. The first Christmas came five months into my new life. Grandma Tuilliger started a tradition with her first granddaughter, and continued it with all of her grandchildren. She made Christmas stockings out of felt to hang on the real or imagined fireplace. Mine says. Tommy, and it is the only evidence of that particular version of my name. As you saw from the photos posted, my hair pretty much stuck straight out, like you rub a balloon on your head, and that was the impetus for a nickname that wouldn't be fully adopted by me for many years. The observation that Grandma made was that since my hair was spiky, my nickname should be Spike. Now I don't know if Grandma's comment shaped this or not. Growing up, as you will see in photos up to my high school graduation, I always had a crew cut. Yet my brothers all had longer, typical length hair. I asked Mom several times why I couldn't grow my hair, and she says, "Well, your hair grows straight out, and that's why I had to have a crew cut." Well, I went in the military, and I let it grow, somewhat skeptical, 
And guess what? It didn't grow straight out. Hmm. Obviously, I don't recall much from those first years, and I have often wondered how my brother coped as a two-year-old. Here was a toddler coming to a new place where those around him didn't speak a language he could understand, an environment different from what he was used to, and people who didn't like those who used to care for him. Some of the early photos of us has him wide-eyed and, understandably, perhaps a little bewildered. For me, I was likely just happy to be fed and kept warm. They say your brain blocks out most of the unpleasant events of your life. I suspect that happens to many young children who are adopted from a non-English-speaking country, especially those who might have had a less than positive start to life. Mom often shared this funny story: as young parents in a small town with an instant family, neighbors and relatives would come to see and meet the children from Korea. Long Lake was about 200 miles north northwest of Ellenville, so both sides of the family often made the trip to visit. Remember, Mom was part Irish with reddish hair, and Dad's background was Dutch. Maybe it was because my brother was a toddler and certainly more active than an infant laying in my mother's arms or in a bassinet. Several would say to Dad that my brother Rick looked like him. Okay, he didn't. But what do you say as an expression of assurance to a new father? Someone thought that Mom wasn't getting as much attention as Dad, as she sat in the backyard holding me. They said. And Barb, Tom looks just like you. She really liked telling that story. The early childhood is short on memory. Times were a lot different in those years, and quite frankly, through most of my young life, this was a time long before mobile phones with cameras and social media. Life was simpler and lived day by day, perhaps even a bit more personal. Mom's journal says I was sitting at five months. Said Dada and No No and Hi at ten months, and this was also the point that I was waving my hand and shaking my head yes and no. By fourteen months, I was walking. So, watch out, world! Here I come. Another story that Mom often shared was that while I liked drinking out of a bottle, when it came time to start baby food, I wasn't thrilled. So she would process it and put food in the bottle. Now, if baby food is anything like it is today, no wonder I didn't care much for it. I mean, really, have you smelled baby food? Mom was both creative and artistic. She was a talented artist, although that sadly went by the wayside once the family started to grow. There is one watercolor painting that hung in our house that I very much wish I had a picture of. It was a painting of a faded red barn. That was badly in need of repair. The roof was sagging, and the setting was out in an overgrown pasture. It was framed in a rustic brown wooden frame. One of her early family projects was to make play clothes for my brother and me. She would make us patchwork shorts and shirts using a different panel of cloth for each of the four panels. From photos, they were very cute indeed. 
Continuing a bit on her creativity, she made several Christmas ornaments in those early days for the tree. One that I remember most vividly was made from a whole egg shell. From when you make a small hole on either end and blow out the contents, the beard and mustache were made from bits of cotton balls, with eyes made from felt and a red felt hat on top, complete with a tiny cotton ball on the end. They, of course, were quite fragile, yet some of them survived for more than thirty years. As medical science evolved, mom and dad learned there was a possibility that they could have natural children. In 1959, mom was pregnant. Sadly, the child didn't survive. Her name was Jean Marie, and she is laid to rest in Long Lake. I can't imagine the pain of losing a child for a young mother. There will be a poignant story. In a future episode, when Mom and I went back to Long Lake in 1960, I became a citizen. The court was in Ulster County, so either we went back to Ellenville or started the process in Ellenville. The photo from my naturalization certificate is posted, and as you can see, Dad had to sign my name for me. Come on. I was 18 months old and couldn't even sign my name. I guess they let anyone become a citizen back then. Time passed, and in 1960, they learned that she could have a child if born early at seven months. So the family grew. A girl was born in 1960, and a boy in 1961. That would be the last possibility for any more natural children. From 1958 to 1968, including Jean Marie, the family grew from two children to nine. All the adopted children were from Korea, through Holt, except one who was a mixed Native American child adopted from within the United States. I'll share some of the experiences of how this family grew, interwoven in the next two episodes. The next few years are sparse on stories, because I'm sure my brother and I were typical young boys, running around, causing trouble, and learning. In addition, mom and dad had two new infants, Karen and Mark, to nurture. Apparently, when I was outside enjoying nature, I was able to catch grasshoppers, and would apparently eat them as a little snack. I'm so glad that I got that out of my system. A trait that sticks with me still is that I didn't like getting my hands or my clothes dirty. After all, neatness counts. Our first pet was a little dog. His name was Pepper. As some kids are, there are foods that we just don't like. For me, it was lima beans. And I still don't like them. As Mom would tell the story, I would fill my mouth with the lima beans like a chipmunk, go off to the bathroom and spit them in the toilet. Now, clearly, my parents knew what I was doing, though kids think they are clever and well, maybe not so much. Anyway, 
my brother took a different approach with what he didn't like. He would feed it to Pepper. What he didn't realize is that when Pepper no longer wanted to eat the food, a small pile of food would collect on the floor. Well, Pepper was a pretty cool dog and had one very special talent. He could catch flies. Before I started kindergarten, Dad got a new job teaching music at Ellenburg Central School. So we moved from Long Lake to Ellenburg Center, New York. Ellenburg Center is about two hours north northeast and just about 20 minutes from the Canadian border in northern New York State. The population then was about 1900, had one flashing yellow light at Main Street on a triangular corner. It was truly small town America. The Ellenburg house was a typical two-story red brick house with a substantial backyard. Because we moved when I was young, we integrated quickly into the then all-white neighborhood. I mention this only because as time progressed, you'll see how the next move was to a town that we didn't grow up in and how that impacted my life. Passing toddlership and moving on to school age, since my brother was two years older than I was, by the time I was ready to go to kindergarten, his job was to make sure that I got on the bus to come home. Well, off to school we went. Oh no, my brother shows up at home and I am nowhere to be found. Of course, that doesn't go well, and Mom rushes to the school. Alas, where was Tom? The teacher was sure I got on the bus. A search ensued. Finally, there I was, sleeping under one of the tables that happened to be pushed back into a dark corner in the room. I liked to nap then, and I like to nap now. In fairness, school can be so exhausting for a little tyke. You may remember that mom was active in the Holt families, the community of families that adopted Korean children. Well, her skills with the sewing machine was to make a traditional Korean outfit for us. All I remember about mine was that the silk vest was robin blue. At some point, the local TV station learned about our family, and so we were on TV. I'm pretty sure I was in the second or third grade. The show was taped, and when it came time to air, the school had an assembly so everyone could watch the episode. On the show, the question I was asked was how I liked school, a typical question for a youngster. I said... I didn't like my teacher very much. And of course, the producer didn't edit that out. Yes, it was broadcast to the entire assembly. In Lady Gaga's song, Born This Way, she says, Ooh, there ain't no other way, baby. I was born this way. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. This song is a song emphasizing that love is love no matter who you love. It's also a song that simply says that we are all born who we are, 
and that is across many spectra. In an interview, Lady Gaga said that the chorus is about espousing self-acceptance in general. We are turning the corner with my story because the events after elementary school, and frankly through to today, shaped and continues to shape a phrase that time and time again I've said in hundreds of speeches. When I've been kicked down, I've always dusted myself off and moved forward. It's not always been easy. Sometimes it's very difficult. In closing, I share this story. When I was at an airport about 20 years ago, I saw a number of relatively young Asian American children with what looked like a group of young people, mostly women. We started a conversation because I saw a folder that said Holt International. I learned that they were escorting children from Holt to new parents. It was pretty amazing to listen to their experiences bringing these children to new families. The way it worked was the volunteers would get free travel to Korea with the obligation to be part of the escort team. From Grandma Holt's books, many of the earlier escorts were people associated directly with the orphanage and the adult Holt children themselves. I call them angels of hope. Some of the photos with this episode include mom and dad's wedding announcement, my Christmas stocking, a cute Christmas cowboy, and others from the first five or six years. A very special one is the first family photo with mom, dad, and the boys. They're posted on my Twitter and Instagram accounts. This episode is dedicated to my grandparents, Benjamin and Grace Terwilliger and Jean and B. Holton. Episode four is next, Family in Tradition, and Here Come the Animals. This will share how the family grew, stories about some of our adventures, and in about 1970, another move that would change our lives forever. For me, it was very likely the biggest impetus that created who I am as an adult. You won't want to miss it. Thank you for sharing, and please like on Apple Podcasts, regardless of your favorite listening platform, as that helps get the podcast moving. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you soon. The Boy in the Trash Can podcast is a production of CSJ Associates.